So, hey, 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 everybody. Thank you for joining us on our bonus episode. Our bonus, bonus, bonus episode of uh, the podcast I have in Chicago. Um, if you follow us and you listen to our last episode, episode five, <clears throat> we told you a little bit about why we didn't record last week. Um, Bunny Jones, our favorite spiritual ratchet. Hey, girl. Hey, she and I, Bun Bun and me, Mo to the G to the, uh, we contracted uh, COVID from this very toxic friend of mine who actually decided to stop by my house today and stalk me until I accepted his apology. And then he made me call Bun and Bun made him, you know, after like arguing at him and cussing him out and stuff. Um, you know, she she made him promise to take us out to dinner and then he's gonna probably kiss our behind some more. Well, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I missed out the cussing out part and uh, am I invited to this dinner? I was I was I was affected by this too. I had to go without I had to go without my Thelma Louise for like about two weeks. Okay. I it it, it was stressful. <laughs> and you know what? If you listen to our last episode, the whole Thelma and Louise thing was explained too. Uh apparently Faye thinks that uh, Bun and I are always in trouble together, and she calls us Thelma and Louise, which she's not lying. Like they Bun always and I into some shit. In some shit. Like, they is some shit. That is not it. We don't always get in trouble. Sometimes we just witness shit. You know, Excuse right? Me. Either Excuse we witness something, or we is something, or Excuse something me. good happens to us. Remember that one time we was just like, I don't even know what we were doing. We ended up coming up on this bonfire and meeting these cool, cool people. Like it was super cool. Yeah, it was a fun night. Excuse and me. The we always say trouble. And the lie detector test determined that that's a lie. <laughs> it, no, it really is the truth. Like no, I don't know what it is. But me and Bun end up on adventures out of nowhere. I have no idea why this happens. The point is, if you follow us, you realize that Bun and I are maybe like 80, 90% better. Um, so much better than like last week and the week before. So if we cough a little bit, forgive us. Just know that we are talking because we missed you guys so much. We missed Faye. We missed Facts. We ready for this conversation because it's going to be good today. Um, for chit chat, I kind of just want to uh mention Queen Sugar. Anybody like know anything about this show? I do. I need to catch up though. I know we got a frat brother on the show. Oh, we do. We do. Yeah, I can't remember his name though. Who he plays? You know character. Say that again. Do you know his character? No, nah, I'm not familiar with the show. I just know that we got frat brother who's an actor on it. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Um, anyway, well, aside from the fact that we have a whole frat brother on this show and I didn't know, um, I just want to give a little synopsis for anyone who hasn't seen it or don't know about it. Um, not that I'm like promoting the show or anything, just, you know, for conversation purposes. So uh, Queen Sugar is about this black family from New Orleans and um, rural New Orleans, actually. And um, they, I think they actually are on, in a town outside of New Orleans called St. Saint Joseph's or something like that. But anyway, um, they're in Louisiana, like right outside of New Orleans. And um, the father has this land that was passed down to him through like four or five generations. 
um, this land that they were uh, able to get through sharecropping um, way back, you know, during slavery times. Um, actually, the slaves had been freed. Uh, the slave owners at the time um, fell in some hard times financially and um, this particular family had some money saved up and they actually purchased the land from the, the slave owners, um, became sharecroppers. And there's a whole story behind that. And it was a pretty cool story. But um, this particular um, family went through all this stuff after the father died. And uh, if you watch the story, um, an underlining part of the story, what makes the story so interesting is that it is a lot of emotional trauma, right? I don't want to spoil the seasons for you and tell you, you know, what's going on or whatnot. But um, this, this family that's blessed with this land, um, they experience a lot of emotional trauma and it all kind of boils, you know, over the pan uh, once the father dies, right? So I kind of just want to talk about emotional drama or emotional trauma um, today. And we see it so often, especially in our Black community, in so many different ways. And it spans across generations, right? Um, and it affects us um, as a culture. It affects us, you know, you know, all the way down to just our children, right? So it, it affects our relationships. It affects our friendships. It affects how we go out there into the workforce. It, it affects how we raise our children. I mean, emotional trauma is all throughout our community and we see it in so many different ways. And today we've decided to do something a little bit different with this episode. We are not gonna do different little segments like we normally do. Today we all decided to pick a podcast that we like. Um, not our favorite podcast because sometimes we end up to a pattern and talking about the same ones over and over. Today, we decided to talk about a different podcast and pick a topic from that podcast and discuss it here tonight. So I want to slide into the podcast that I actually um, chose. It's called uh, Reparations, The Big Payback. Um, this podcast is one of a kind. It's the only podcast out there that's dedicated is specifically dedicated to talking about reparations for the black community. <clears throat> and it's um, the host um, is uh, Erica Alexander. You know her best from um, Living Single. And then she's partnered up with uh, Whitney Dow. Whitney Dow is actually a white guy, um, but he is super, 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 super uh, empathetic. He is one of our allies. He is super smart and he's been out there for a minute. So this is not his first go round when it comes to social justice and black relations and reparations, right? So this team, they're an awesome, awesome team. It's an awesome, awesome podcast. Um, and what I wanted to talk about today, the topics that they talked about, uh, actually on today's episode, um, they were talking about, you know, reparations. But one of the questions they asked was would black Americans gain with black Americans gain if we get reparations, would it be a uh, white Americans loss? Right? So today they had like a battle. Okay. It was an actual battle, like a, a fighting ring. <laughs> it was the whole nine yard. It was 
sounds and bells, all types of stuff going on. <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. But um, they argued the case for reparations and then they argued the case against reparations and then they had people on there who were kind of battling each other. I kind of want to talk about the first battle um, between, actually this person was from, is from Evanston, Illinois. She's the alderman. Her name is uh, Robin Ruth Simmons. Um, and then she battled against um, a conservative talk show host who's been around the block as well. Um, his name is Larry Elder. He's against um, reparations. So <clears throat> the case against reparations, um, they, you know, people who are against it, they normally say, uh, what more do you want? Um, slavery was a long time ago. Why are we still talking about it? Um, when are you going to get over it? Um, and then a lot of them talk about how uh, the white people of today, um, the white um, Americans of today, they never had slaves. So they shouldn't have to kind of pay for um, reparations for something they didn't do, right? They can't control what their ancestors did. It, you know, they, you know, why should they have to pay? And the arguments that Larry Elder <clears throat> provided, he said that black people have overcome um, a lot to the point where um, only 20% of them are below the poverty line. Um, and that that 20% um, is a decline from 1940, where the level of uh, Black Americans under the poverty line was 87%. Then um, he, talked, he, he talked about a story um, about his father, how his father kind of was on his own at 13 years old. Um, and he kind of just found his way and, and became a successful Black American. Um, and he talked about how his father taught him that hard work always wins, that you get out of life what you put into it. Um, before you start to complain about what someone else has done to you, um, you, you should go to the mirror and ask, you know, what could I have done for myself um, to change the outcome? Um, then he talked about um, his whole argument was about personal responsibility. You know, just take a responsibility of your life. You know, if you end up under, you know, under the poverty line, it's probably something you did or didn't do and vice versa. If you become a very successful person, um, you know, it's probably because of something you did or didn't do. You know, for him, it's all about personal responsibility. And uh, he talked about how, um, how do we know that, you know, we're more successful and um, that we don't have to claim this, you know, cry wolf, you know, claim this, this whole uh, reparation situation, you know, getting help from the nation when, you know, it's really us that, you know, pushes our pushes ourselves forward and make things happen. How do we know that we've made it to the point where we don't need reparations? Um, he talked about how Dr. King uh, said that, you know, when we start seeing people being judged on their character, not the color of their skin, and when we start to see uh, major leaders in the Black community, presidents and um, uh, superintendents and things of that sort, you know, in the Black communities, then we know we've made it to the promised land. So for him, we've made it to the promised land. 
and uh, there's no reason why we should do reparations. Then there was the argument of the opposing side, which is uh, for reparations. Um, Miss Robin Ruth Simmons, um, she talked about how um, America was built um, off the free labor, the forced unpaid labor of millions of Africans. And um, that this act slavery, slavery, slavery <laughs> was the original sin pretty much. Um, it was a moral crime that needed, that needs to be addressed. Um, it levels the playing field for the disenfranchised uh, legalities, uh, which are the heirs and descendants of slaves, um, that this is an unsettled debt, um, and that, you know, this has pretty much been, you know, 400 plus years of various enslavement, um, and the nation was built, on, that the nation was built on. Um, it was, you know, although chattel slavery had been outlawed, um, the nation was pretty much built on, you know, kidnapping and torturing Africans and then sort of transitioning once, you know, chattel slavery was outlawed, outlawed it, you know, we transitioned into lynching and Jim Crowing and redlining, over-policing, racial terror, predatory um, lending practices and multiple, just multiple forms of oppression. And um, we seem to not, be able to overcome any of them, right? Um, she says that reparations are the only way to right the wrong of this nation, um, to redress and repair the wealth gap and the achievement gap. Um, and she says that reparations will uplift America by increasing the tax base, home ownership rates. Uh, it would provide um, more higher learning degrees, more employment and businesses for black people and just killing in general. And the only way to do that is to kind of put action, um, put into action um, a plan, you know, to throw funding behind the reparatory justice system, right? Um, what do you guys think about this battle? And, and how do you feel about reparations just in general? I'm going to start this off. Uh, I'm all for reparations in general, and I have various reasons why I'm for it, but I'm going to try to give you guys my top two, three. Uh, first of all, uh, you let, you mentioned redlining, and we unfortunately live in a city that is known for redlining. You know, yeah. My parents, you know, my parents and my grandparents, my grandparents were part, uh, grew up in the Jim Crow era. They would tell me or they told me stories where uh, at some point, you know, African-Americans couldn't go south of uh, 49th Street, maybe mm. maybe 45th. And if uh, they did, they were going to get assaulted. It wasn't actually until the 60s. Uh, where my uh, parents, my grandparents actually moved from the west side of Chicago to uh, the far south side of Chicago over in South Deering area. And I say that to say that, you know, red line is still an issue because if, if my, if a white, if a white family owned the house that my grandparents own right now, it probably be double the value that it is now, just off the simple fact that they they will be white. 
but because my grandparents are of course black it's half the value maybe even more uh half the value less maybe even more so even with the updates and everything that they've done over the years and you know for that's that's just a start we are dealing with housing and you also mentioned unfair policing it is amazing that African Americans make up a minority of the population, but make up a huge majority of the of the uh, people in prison. Absolutely. Some people who some people who have committed crimes, but there are others who haven't committed crimes. And if you want, and if you don't believe that there are African American men and women who have not committed crimes that are are that are un, that are not unjustly locked up. Look at every time you turn on the news in Chicago, somebody, a black man or a black woman, is getting out of jail on a crime that they didn't commit, serving time that they didn't have to serve, and now the city has to pay out millions of dollars for it. So, I mean, you tell me that we don't have, you know, that we're still dealing with the issues of slavery. And then to top it off, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the stories on the news lately, but they're trying to gut the voting rights of African-Americans in 47 states. There are 361 mm-hmm. bills currently right now trying to take away the voting rights of African-Americans, Latinos, Chinese, anybody who is not white. So to say that we don't deserve reparations when we practically built this country for free is a slap in the face. What do you think, Faye? I feel like this, just to touch on what you said before about how uh, our white, some of our white counterparts feel like that reparations, they shouldn't have to pay for what their ancestors did or something to that effect. Yeah, they shouldn't have to pay for something they didn't do. Um, They shouldn't have to pay for what their ancestors did because they had no control over that. Okay, but the way I see it is, yeah, they may not have, they may feel that they don't have any control of what happened in the past, but they can have, they have control of what happens in the future, in the right. present time. So, I'm for reparations because I feel like it. I do feel like it is an old debt, and also too with redlining still going on, those reparations could be used to build our own. Because I like, I think it was who was it that said it. It was Diane Carroll. She she there's one thing that she uh, had always said that stuck with me and I and I live by it to this day. She said, if you're not invited, you're not invited to the party, start your own. Throw your own party, right? <clears throat> so I feel like with the with the money from those reparations that could be used, we could put it to our own stuff, like invest our own businesses, stuff like that. Now, granted, <clears throat> there may be individuals, uh, like again, I said that. Well, like you said, that they feel like they shouldn't pay, they shouldn't have to pay for what their ancestors did. There's a lot of stuff that they their ancestors did. It ain't no different what their ancestors have built and start this generational wealth for them that they inherited. They ain't got to do nothing. So what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Why is it okay? Why is it okay for my for my white counterpart? Ten, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Why is it okay for my white counterpart? to inherit whatever their ancestors did may be good bad you know come up on some money l it's okay you know i'm well off because my 
my great grandfather started this and you know it just carried on for generations generations why is it okay for whatever the white the white counterparts to get whatever they can bit beneficially but when it comes to to african americans it's always an issue like oh well well, you know, we gotta, you gotta go through this. You gotta fill out the, this form. You gotta do that. Why is that? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, something you said. Um, this money can be used to build our own, and you know, address redlining, all these different things. So some people feel like all white people feel like we should get reparations or all black people feel like we should get reparations. And that's just not the truth. Um, they're, they not only on this podcast, this particular episode, they not only um, at, had people come on and kind of ballot it, battle it out. They also went into the streets and kind of just asked regular people, you know, what they thought about it, how they felt about it. Uh, there was this one particular white guy, you know, he feel, he was for reparations. He felt like it was an unsettled debt that, you know, we owe to the black community and, you know, that we, uh, there have been reparations paid to groups of people all around the world. You know, why not here? You know, why, why are we so slow to take care of our own, right? But we can go around and take care of the Iraqis. We can take care of everybody else but we can't take care of the people that live here. Um, which that's kind of a art, you know, one of the arguments for uh, immigration and just, just a bunch of other stuff, you know, every it's all weaved into multiple things. Right. Um, but sometimes these people that make these arguments can't see parallel arguments, you know, for other things, mm-hmm. right. You like, we should take care of our people here and not take care of people from other lands. Um, we shouldn't be allowing them to come in um, illegally and take care of them. We should take care of the people here. Well, why why don't we have that same argument for the for the Black Americans here, right? Why why can't we take care of everything else? You can see that argument, but you can't see the parallel argument to take care of our Black Americans that live here. That's what right? I'm saying. Like, why is uh-huh. it always something? Go- why is it this always like a roadblock or some or some obstacle that African Americans gotta gotta get over? Like why absolutely absolutely there was also this particular black guy that they talked to you know on the streets the regular person um and he was against reparations he was against reparations because he felt like um the money we would get right if they just kind of disperse it to everyone you know do what they please with it or whatnot um it would be pointless right uh the nation would go basically broke to give people money just to spend on stupid things. He felt like if we were going to get reparations, um, it should be used to address redlining. It should be used to address um, the homeless, right? Uh, Kind of building better homes for black communities. Um, He talked about how he lived in the projects. And, you know, if we did get reparations, he wouldn't want, you know, each individual person to get it. He would want you know, it to be used uh, a certain type of way in order to uplift the Black community. Think about it is, that's part of the argument about reparations. So firstly, people need to understand that the argument for reparations or about reparations, um, the first thing they need to decide is if we get, if we're going to get it or not, right? And even if they decide that we do get it, the next step is to decide what is reparations? What will they be? If we're going to get reparations, what will they be, right? Um, 
And then the argument is once we decide what it, you know, part of that argument of, you know, once we decide what is, what the reparations will actually be, how will we disperse it? Will it be person to person? Uh, will it be just kind of like a, a, a umbrella type of thing? We're just gonna give money to communities and not to individual people. Like the argument about reparations is like huge. It's a huge conversation, right? And we're only in the conversation stage. At this point, we're just trying to get people, the government to wanna even have this conversation. We can't even decide whether we're going to get them or not because we can't even we can't even get people to sit down and say, yes, let's talk about this. You have to. It's almost like the argument about whether there's a God or not. Right. If you decide that you're atheist, are you still saying there's a God because you're choosing not to believe in this God? You're still acknowledging this God. So it's, it's the same thing. Right. These people are trying to decide if they even want to talk about reparation is reparations of actual thing. Is it a real thing that we're just deciding we don't want to acknowledge, right? Um, I mean, this is a huge conversation. It's huge. And everybody has an opinion. Um, but you can't even, we can't even get to the point where we're deciding whether reparations is a thing or not. Like, that's the crazy part. And even, it, it baffles me to talk to somebody who's Black and they're against it. <laughs> I just don't understand. I want to say that this Larry Elder guy is a Black guy. Don't quote me on that. I, you know, just based on sound and, you know, whatever. He, he, this man sounds like a black man, right? And I think he talked about his father being a black man and, you know, whatnot. So I want to say this guy, this is the black man, okay? But I think part of his argument and, and this particular guy that was on the street is that if we get reparations, right? I'm against reparations because I don't think people should just get lump sums of money or whatnot. But reparations is more than just money, right? Reparations should address emotional trauma. It should address uh, financial trauma. It should address uh, uh, the housing trauma. There are so many different ways that Black people have been oppressed generationally, right? Just Not just financially, baby. We're talking about <laughs> a whole lifetime of bullshit. You know, and it comes from being oppressed. Like you have to, uh, you have to address every part of our lives that we've been oppressed. And um, for me, if I was to think about what reparations should be, it's kind of like when they talk about there's seven ways of, in you know, to receive income, right? Um, I think reparations are the same way. There's there should be multiple ways, seven ways or whatnot, to address, um to address the oppression of black people, right? Um, maybe giving us a piece of property, right? Maybe uh, giving us a, a lump sum of cash, right? Then maybe addressing a, a certain amount of debt. Uh, maybe giving this person a certain amount of therapy, right? Because they need to address some emotional trauma. Um, maybe just, just a bunch of different things. You know, I don't know how it should be dispersed because I don't think we're going to see reparations in our lifetime. But I think we're going to be the generation to, to discuss it, right? So um, I'm not sure. It's just a really big conversation. I mean, we for us, we could have a whole entire pod podcast episode to talk about reparations, to be honest. Like just deciding whether we should do it or not, deciding if it's a real thing, deciding what it should be and how it should be dispersed. Those are four huge conversations. 
Um, what do you think about this, Bunny? Like, I, I, I know you stepped away for a second, but we're talking about the podcast that discuss reparations. How do you feel about reparations um, just in general? I don't know. That's like, well, that's a weird subject for me because I honestly feel like even if we do get them, it still won't be just, like just, you know what I'm saying? Like, they won't pay us out how we deserve to mm-hmm. be. And to be honest, like, there's not even a way to pay us. Like, you will literally have to give us the world. Like, in order to pay us back mm-hmm. for all mm-hmm. the shit that we've endured, you know, being here in this country and in other countries and other parts of the world. So, like, they're not ready to repay us for real, for real. So, I honestly sometimes feel like it's it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Yeah, that's me. That's mm-hmm. all. <laughs> So how do y'all, so now Bunny is, seems to be kind of uh, neutral about the situation. How do you guys feel about people who are neutral? So Bunny, before you stepped in, I told them that on the episode, they didn't just talk to the panel of um, credible sources to have a conversation about this. They actually stepped out into the street and talked to regular people about it. And there were some people Mm -hmm. that were for it. There were some people that were against it. And some people feel like all black people are for it. Some people feel like all white people are not, but that's just not true, right? Um, the particular black guy they talked to, he was against it. Um, and I think he was kind of felt like you. Like, you know, if we do get it, you know, people are just going to waste it or, you know, it should be going to a certain, you know, it should be dispersed a certain type of way or whatever, whatever, whatever. This one white guy, he, he was for it, right? He believed that there's a debt that needs to be paid and that, we'll never get anywhere in this country until we actually pay it, right? Um, Whether that's money, therapy, whatever. Whatever it is, he believes that there's a debt that needs to be paid. So, faith and facts. Um, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I did not know that Bunny was kind of, uh, you know, indifferent about it. Uh, What do you guys think about people who are indifferent about it or who are Black and are against reparations? Like, how does does that make you guys feel uneasy, or you know the what what how do you feel about that? What well, do you first, think? did you say Larry Elder was the one that was on this podcast? Okay, he's yeah. a black Republican, so that's why some of his uh his thoughts kind of sound <laughs> whack to me. I know exactly. Yeah, she's I he's know a conservative. He used to be an attorney, right? I think. Yeah, and he also mm-hmm. had a he also had a show on uh, TV when we were in high school called Moral Court. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's that guy you were talking about years ago that you said was kind of yeah, funny. The one who was that show was kind of yeah, funny. If you were right uh, about an argument, you get paid like five hundred thousand dollars or something like that. That's okay. I remember you talking about it in like the yeah, first episode or whatnot. Him, yeah, he's a, she said he's a conservative talk show host. So you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with this man. But go on about your, you know, what your comment um say. I mean, first of all, it, it, Bunny is the first person I've heard that they said they were like neutral about it. Anybody being neutral about it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. But I mean, I get it with anything like that. It can go one or two ways. It could be, you know, a big thing that 
I mean, slavery is something that you, it, it, I, yeah, I can understand that it would take more than money to, you know, to repay back because yeah. that's a lot of emotional mm-hmm. trauma. That's a lot of emotional trauma. A lot of families have been broken up. You know, all this economical mm-hmm. um, ruin has happened, and it led to other things that we currently see right here in right here and in the present the, time. Though, that's so, my thing. Huh? Like, you can't pay us back for shit. Like, you're still doing to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing has changed. Yeah. You just call mm-hmm. it something different. You know? Like, you're not physically... Like, we're not seeing our bodies being lynched anymore. We're seeing each other getting gunned down. If not by the police, then by our own because they have deteriorated our mind to think, like, you know, it's okay for us to go after our own kind. You know, like, it's so much damage that has been done. And there's no there's no amount of money that can repay that. None. Now, well, yeah. So part of the argument is not. So one of the arguments is whether reparations should we even talk about this. Number one. Number two. If we are going to talk about it, what would reparations actually be, right? And number three. Once we decide what reparations are how will we disperse them? Those are the three things that have to be discussed. You know, at this point, they're not even at the part where the government is even acknowledging the fact that they need a conversation about reparations. So when you talk about, when you talk about, you know, reparations, if you're deciding that you want to be for it, okay, so if I'm for reparations, what could it actually be? Because we need more than financial security. Um, So... Part of what I said was um, there are several ways to receive income, right? So I feel like if you take that same principle, there are multiple ways to receive income. There are multiple ways to also receive or that we should receive reparations because it's not just a financial thing, right? So even if we get some financial help, right? Um, Maybe some debt canceled, uh, maybe a lump sum of money, whatever, whatever. Right. Multiple ways to, you know, get some type of income, including, you know, giving us property options or the ability to get property or the ability to, you know, get a you know, small business loan, whatever. Right. So some financial security, but also some uh, 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 the word escapes me. But like, uh, oh, oh, it's really gone. The word is really <laughs> gone. I really don't have it in me. therapy. Right. Some type of therapy relief. Right. Uh, You know, some type of uh, family counseling, you know, whatever, just multiple ways that we've been affected and ruined um, from slavery. Right. I think reparations should represent multiple oppressions um, for our people. Right now, I I don't know exactly how it should be dispersed, but I do believe the reparations is just more than money. Right. And, and, and at, like you, I, I agree. It's such a big it's going to be such a big thing. The payback, the actual paying of the debt will be so big that we'll never see it in our well, life. I got a question. We just won't. And, and it's just the just mm-hmm. since we still on the top of the reparations, you know, just to play devil's advocate a little bit and to do a little critical thinking. So talking about i know we talked about you know how they still treating us any type of way you know with the police brutality and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so my question is so 
Do you do you think that part of the reason why reparations are not even being talked about currently is because we've been having like so many circumstances of like you know African Americans falling victim to like police brutality and so on and so forth, and they coming at well not all cases. Don't quote me. I'm not saying all cases, but a good number of these cases, you know end up in having big settlements do you think that's more like a quick fix reparation because remember mind you now some of these cases where like you know george floyd and stuff like that the families have received like what millions of dollars and we never really hear much about it again Mm -hmm. so do you think that's part of the reason why because of what's going on in these big settlements that's already you know being provided for these families they think it's like a quick fix so we so later on down the line we wouldn't have these conversations of reparation or anything like that. Well, I'd like to take that. Uh just addressing the fact that there's you know, this money is a quick fix to say, oh, you know, yep, you your family has been done wrong. Here, you know, here, here you go. Hopefully this makes you guys feel better. I think that a lot of people think about reparations that yeah. way, that it's just a quick fix and it's just gonna but you know the whole thing is that reparations should be different things not just money that's number one number two i don't think that they're they don't want to have this conversation because of so much you know you know of what's going on today um i personally think they don't want to have the conversation because um part of the reason why white people feel like you know we shouldn't have this conversation or that there shouldn't be reparations not just white people just people in general who are against reparations i shouldn't say white people um, I think people feel that uh, acknowledging reparations and agreeing to give reparations or agreeing to even talk about reparations is actually um, accepting that white people have done something wrong, that they um, have a debt against a people. Um, and a lot of people feel like they shouldn't have to pay that debt because they didn't themselves do anything, Right. Um, but I don't think they understand that it's not just the physical slavery um, that that the debt is paying for, right? Um, there, we're actually getting paid for the institutions, not only the physical slavery, but the institutions that have been created that are still being used against us today. And although then you didn't physically have a slave or you didn't physically lynch anybody or physically call somebody a nigger to their face or anything like that, you are part of the problem because you are benefiting from these systems that have been put, put in place to oppress our people mm. constantly every single day. All and, the way up until today. No right? no I'm sorry that, to cut you off, Moe. No matter how you spend it, whatever institution you look at, there's some racism against black people. We're talking that's about right. we're talking about banking. Right. We're talking about housing. We're talking about education. We're talking about politics. Yep. That's right. We even when you look at it, you even talking about sports. I mean, let's let's break down the NBA. Name one name one black person who is an owner of a team besides Michael Jordan. Well, they do. I believe I want to say Usher is like and part owner or somebody. Don't quote me on that. So they're, they're wait, they're 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 part owners. Too, right. So they're they're owners. Or or well, even how about let's talk about something bigger than that. Let's talk about how this justice system is set up. I believe set up for African Americans to fail, and the way that some of these, some of us are are sentenced higher, higher uh, 
since his years as opposed to our I'm not even going to say white counterparts because it could be some for, you know, the Latinos and Latinas and all that stuff. I mean, let's take let's take the Capitol insurrection for uh, an example. They marched down to the Capitol, destroyed the Capitol building. And until until the young lady was shot in the in the hallway, there wasn't a single bullet fired. Meanwhile, there was a black representative down in Georgia who just wanted to knock on the door and see the signing of the bill that the Georgia governor was signing for herself. And they they almost hogtied her and she has two felonies against her record. And she's a she's a representative, which means she has the right to be there. So you so you tell me, America, what's the difference? And if you say that there is no difference, you are a plum fool and you are a liar. And what people don't realize is when we're discussing reparations, um, we're not asking individual white folk to pass up, you know, pass over their checks they receive from work or pass, you know, us their stimulus checks or their taxes or whatever. That's not we're not asking individual people to pay. We're asking the nation, the government, the, the government of the United States owes black people a debt, not individual white people. No one's coming after you and your money, honey. Nobody's coming after you and your trust funds that your ancestors were able to leave because, you know, they made had all this free labor from these black people they weren't paying. That's not what we're saying. We're talking about the United States of America, the actual government who gives money to other nations, by the way. Okay? They they give money to other people. <laughs> And every time something happened, we we randomly got this money coming out of nowhere, but we thought we was broke and we was in debt. We ain't in fucking debt. They just use their money on what they want to use it on, right? And instead of taking care of the people here, they do other things elsewhere, right? We're asking the United States of America to pay a debt, not the individual white people. I just want to make that clear. I don't clear. get it. They, everybody keeps saying that we in debt, but they've been popping out these stimulus checks left and right during the pandemic. So obviously the money is being found somewhere. <laughs> well, you know that's a conversation for for the financial team. And I don't know nothing about that. I, I can't I can't say that I do. But you know, I, you know I don't know nothing about that. I just know that uh, reparations is such a big conversation, and um, you know it, it's very rare that we find somebody who's quite indifferent. So, Bunny, you are a unicorn, dear. Uh, it's very few. Very few people who are just indifferent about it. You know, they just really don't have a real opinion. Um, but from what I hear when I listen to you, I feel like, you know, you're you're saying, you know, we shouldn't or I don't have an opinion about reparations because they'll never be able to pay us back for real. Is that what you're, what you're saying? Bunny? Bunny stepped away again. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, um, this podcast, uh, Reparations, the Big Payback, is definitely worth your time. Take a listen to it. Um, they're talking about real stuff on there, um, and they touch multiple areas of this conversation. And it's the only podcast who, who really discusses something like this. Um, reparations um, really is supposed to be um, the paying back or the 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 reparatory uh, 
conversation um, about healing our nation, um, trying to, you know, make it right, level the playing field for our people. Um, and it, it basically is supposed to be trying to heal us because there's so much emotional trauma. Um, going back to that theme, because I believe that's the theme of the entire episode, just emotional trauma in general. Um, and I kind of want to step away from reparations and fall into another kind of emotional well, trauma, right? Well, Mo, uh, I think, not to cut you out, but I just want to pose a question because I actually looked this up on the topic before you closed it out. Before you closed it out, do you know mm-hmm. how much it is estimated for one? Uh, how much for one person will receive in reparations? Just yeah. a financial retro- reparations between two hundred no. and five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And the the tricky part would be to decide who gets it, right? Because, you know, some people feel like all Black people should get it because we've all been affected in some way from the institutions that have been created. And some people feel like it should just be the descendants of Africans or the African slaves that were here. But the problem with that is um, part of the reason why uh, we we don't have like our generational lineages a lot of us don't know where we come from or you know what our families were a few generations back uh what they who they were and you know what where our names come from and all of that part of the reason why is because we don't have a lineage at some point you can only go back so far right if you can trace um slave owner documents and whatnot because they pretty much cut off any record of these people's existences so trying to figure out, you know, who are actual slave descendants, that's a tricky, tricky thing to do. I mean, it's almost impossible for some people, right? So it's crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, the two hundred, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars, whatever, but you don't even know who's supposed to get it. I mean, this is a really big conversation. Well, it's guess, huge. It's huge. Well, but thank you for looking that I up, though. I'm one of the I guess I'm one of the few people that I know of when it comes to this topic who actually was able to find out where both sides of my family come from to a, a certain extent. Uh, from but you know to touch on it and give my personal background of my family, uh, my father's side of the family came from Mississippi. Um, my let me see. My grandfather's grandfather, five Jason, five generations removed, if I counted that correctly, maybe four. Um, he was actually born a free man before 1865. Um, now, how he was born a free man, that part I don't know. But um, he actually owned property in Mississippi and... Uh, my family then moved uh, to Memphis, where my grandmother moved from, which is how my dad was born here. And here I am. That's on that side. And my mom's side of the family is from Shreveport. And uh, my my grandfather's mother, uh, she was uh, the first to... She was the first generation that was uh, not born a slave. Um, but they were, uh, my my mother's side family is from the Louisiana area. So, of course, I'm, uh, my family's from down south. And 
that's as far back as I could go to about the 1850s. Anything beyond. And that's, you're lucky for that because some people can't yeah. go that far, to be honest. You know, I mean, there's been so many uh, instances where people try to figure out their, their lineage and they just can't, you know? Uh, there, there are no documents. Um, there's no way to trace their family history. So you're even lucky you can do that. You know, it, I mean, we've been affected. Our culture has been affected in so many different ways, you know, and I'm not saying that other ethnicities, other cultures haven't been affected in some type of way. You know, we've all been oppressed in some way. But, you know, this is specifically about black Americans. You know, we we I always say we are the orphans of the world. You know, there is no place in the world that welcomes us completely and um have treated us fairly from the very beginning no no place on this earth no place you know we we have no home of our own you know even our one home we had in in the continent of africa it was uh they went over there um they threatened our people they enslaved them um they helped them enslave each other and they did all of that because africa is such a rich country in uh mm -hmm. materials right um, they went over there, overpowered these people, these loving, caring, kind people, and they just went and did what they needed to do to, in order to get those materials. And they're still doing that today. You know, um, the, co the continent of Africa has so much to give and they go over there and they just take it. Right. Um, and then all over the world, you know, we've been we've been on every continent um, and we've been treated like crap. <laughs> you know, so we are the orphans of the world. That's why it's so important to have these conversations about our people. But um, just kind of going back to the emotional trauma, um, I kind of want to slide into the next podcast. Um, we can actually have a conversation about reparations one day, just the whole episode, because it's a huge conversation. You you can't fit it in like a 20, 30 minute block. Right. Um, so, you know, sliding over to the next podcast, you know, dealing with emotional trauma. Um, I want to talk about the Joe Budden podcast. Um, the Faye was kind of gonna gonna kind of get into that, talking about breaking up um, in a relationship sense, right? So I, I believe that coming from talking about reparations, coming from you know the slavery slavery era, um, and how it's it kind of started these different institutions to oppress the people, um, not just financially or you know, but emotionally too. Um, and that, that emotional trauma kind of splits into our relationships and our, our family relationships and all these different things, you know. So this particular episode of the Joe Button podcast talked about relationships, you know, breaking up and the breakup aftermath, you know. You know, let's get into it. Faye, what, what did you learn from this podcast? Tell us a little bit about the podcast and a little bit about the episode that you right. want to discuss. So everybody's familiar with Joe Button, right? He's a rapper. He made that song, uh... Was it pop off or something? Anyway, oh no, pump it up. So you know, and then of course we know him from Love and Hip Hop. He had he was actually in a relationship with a a, a young lady. It didn't work out and everything like that. So that's another reason why I tried to find it interesting. But anyway, it's kind of like an older episode, but I find it interesting because it kind of sticks. It resonates with today. So if any y'all um, familiar with the Hurt Bay videos? Okay. I've heard yeah, of Yeah, I remember those. Okay. Frequently asked questions to catch you up. So basically, 
Hurt Bay is basically when two ex-lovers get together and they have like a deep-rooted discussion, right? Well, Hurt Bay was actually a person kind of like yeah, Salt Bay. Yeah. Salt Bay, the guy that kind of throws salt a weird way. Bay is an actual person, and they kind of nicknamed yeah. the internet nicknamed her. Remember? Yeah. So I, I guess this is this episode kind of based kinda. on that situation. But this one kind of, but then it kind of stemmed to okay. like this whole aspect of oh, let's put ex lovers together and have them talk out their differences, and you know. Oh, with uh, with the white background, with the all what? white background, they're talking to each other, asking why did, what? why did you do this, that, and the third. Like, why did you cheat on me? Basically. Okay, I remember those. Yeah, I remember those. Right, because yeah, because yeah. Her, well, Hurt Bay was a girl that was cheated on, and they sat in in this particular video. They sat her and her ex boyfriend down to have this conversation about what happened between them, and I mean. Oh, her yeah. day. It, it it broke your heart when you, you know, listen when you watch the video. So this episode is based on just kind of well, doing this that one was with different based on groups that particular of ex- episode where his name was Leonard, right? He was a light skinned dude with some good hair. You know, they always say it, you know, they always say it's always the light skinned dudes that break your heart. But you know. Now, be careful with the good though. hair thing, I'm you know. <laughs> Okay, so this particular video, I forgot her name, but she she was with this guy. She, I think they met in high school or whatever. They had some history together, right? And they had a really nasty breakup. So the video that I'm talking about, he's actually talking about is the actually the part two where, you know, they hash out their differences and everything. So if you haven't seen this video, I advise you to look look on YouTube to see it because it, it, it gets really deep. So Joe Button stars, you know, doing what Joe Button does, give his critiques, right? So he pointed out some things. The first thing he pointed out was like women we can never admit when we're wrong. <laughs> Which I thought that was interesting. But I feel like that's a universal thing that guys say that women can never when they wrong I disagree with that but that's a different story um, another thing he pointed out was that I know the young man's name was Leonard Leonard talked about ever since him and his ex-girl broke up well first he revealed some things he revealed that he was already in a relationship while he was dating the other girl that was number one number two he said ever since they broke up he been drinking more water and it's folding his skin. <laughs> Girl, what look, does that have to do with anything? That's what he said. He he put that in there. Okay, go like, ahead. I said, oh, you've been drinking more water. Okay. And number three, uh, Joe started talking about, you know, some things, the do's and don'ts of a breakup. All right. Which I thought was interesting. So, uh, I want to get into the do's and don'ts of a breakup. So I'm pretty sure all of us in here has experienced a breakup, right? Right. Okay. So what was one thing? What was what was the one thing that was hard for you? Hard for you in this breakup? So like for me, it was hard for me, and in the last relationship I had, 
facts already know who I'm talking about because he could be like a what, a who, whatever. One hard thing for me was to let go of a person that I spent time a lot of time with. Like I think we were on and off for like 10 years. And it was hard for me to let go because he had actually been mm-hmm. there for like the major life changes that happened to me. So he was there when my father passed. He was there when um, I made the transition to go away to school, you know, milestones in my life. So that was the hard part for me. And also from that breakup, I had the, I learned, I learned a couple things. Number one, do not break up somebody over the phone unless you have to. We kind of broke up over the phone, but it was okay. kind of my fault though. <laughs> the for the first time. Now you're probably wondering, Faith, what the hell this got to do with anything? Why would you have to? Why would you break up with somebody over the phone? Well, at the time I was young, I I felt I didn't want nothing to do with them, and you know. I just felt like over the phone, you know, it'd be easy. You could just send a quick text. He'll get it. No. So my first, the first thing that I would say is as a breakup, don't do not do it over the phone. It's best to do stuff face to face. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. I was losing signal a little bit. Number two. Uh, another, another thing I say, number two with this, as as a do not for a breakup don't throw i i mean y'all may have a different opinion about it so as i said leonard said that ever since you know him an old girl broke up he'd been drinking more water and exfoliate his skin but while his ex-girlfriend is like well i got me a new man he just loves and cares about me and adores me a lot you know He's better than you. Now I say my second thing is do not do not tell your ex what your your current status. And the only reason I say that is because you have a car, a couple exes out there who mm. might try to try to sabotage and also kind of feel like mm. yeah, could sabotage and also feel like they could still get it when they well, want. That all it. depends on you though, if you're allowing that. Yeah, but also at the same time too. Again, it, I guess it kind of depends how the relationship was too. Like, like I said, with me, I I invested a lot of time with this person, so you know when you see them, you could it could trigger some emotions. I'm not saying emotions like, oh, I want to get back with you, but could trigger some memories that you're trying to get rid of. But if you still in that emotional state about this person, you should not be conversing with them at all. If you're in a relationship with somebody else, like you, you should be friends with this person at all. To even have these conversations at all. What if you got something (laughs) tight, like a kid? What if you had something tied tied with that with that ex person, like a kid? Like you have a kid. Then they probably shouldn't be dating somebody new until they can get themselves together. Like if you still got emotions, you know, and you still get affected by this person, you might want to take some time out for yourself to get yourself together so you can, you know, deal with those emotions 
so that when you when you're with someone else, you're not in limbo between exactly. him and your baby daddy. Like, no, that's not an excuse. No, just don't mm-hmm. date nobody till you're Fact, ready. What do you think about this? Uh, from my from my experiences, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. One thing that I learned is that. Uh, you you'll always look back and wonder uh, if you did anything differently. But the one the one takeaway I've always gotten is learn to learn to uh, take an apology that was never given. So they may never apologize to you, but even still, if if they don't, you still got to move on with your life. You can't keep dwelling on you know the fact that they did this, that, and the third. Because if you don't move on from what's you know keeping you you know holding you back how are you going to find something that's you know waiting for you in the future mm-hmm. something even more beautiful i like that and it's quite interesting that you said that because um in the video it was a lot of you know in youtube videos there's a lot of comments somebody uh pointed out that at the end of the video you know they did it's like before they did apologize for how things happened but it was like one of those apologies that was like, I'm sorry if I made you feel this way. Or I'm sorry that it's, this steered you the wrong way. So they did ex- exchange apologies, but at the end of it, it just turned ugly. Like they both said they washed, they washed, they washed their hands of each other. And she walked, stormed out crying, saying how you can, apparently he said they was never in a relationship. Oh my god! Ouch. You know what? Sometimes we think we need these kind of like uh, nope. conversations that we're, we're, you know, getting closure. Nope. But a lot of times there is no closure because having a conversation to to get closure, I want to know why, why you do this, mm-hmm. why you do that, blah 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 blah. All it does is kind of mm. rehash yeah. open oh. wounds. And you come out with no closure. You just come out of it with your feelings hurt all over again. So sometimes, you know, just having a clean break. You know, I'm not a fan of ghosting people because morally I think it's wrong, but I can't say I haven't done it. <laughs> you know, but sometimes it's just best to just, just make a clean break because there's no, there's no closure. Like, all you're going to do is hurt my feelings some more. Like, your answer's are not going to give me the satisfaction I need. Like, I remember the first Hurt Bay, right? I remember her. And I remember this conversation. She asked, why did you cheat on me? He said, I don't know. Like, literally, I just don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I saw a piece of ass I like. I took it. That's it. That, 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 I mean, and I know that does not make you feel better, but that is exactly what happened. You were not there when I was horny. The girl was cute. I wanted it. And I got it. And, and, and on some level, you be thinking to yourself, oh, he's going to say something that's going to make and, me feel better so Button I can move on. He's too. not. He like, as a, as a do and a don't, don't get mad when you get the mm-hmm. answers to these questions that, that you ask. The, uh, but if you feel dumb, like... The logic behind... Uh-huh. What, <laughs> yeah. And... And he said, and he yes, said, well, it be, his, he don't really it. consider a dude 
ado, but if you feel like you want to ask these questions, go ahead and ask these questions. But do not get upset at this man when he tell you that when he being a real blanky blank for giving you the answers that that you that you were looking for because the truth hurts. He don't know why he don't he he don't know why he cheated on you. And if he say that he if he if he say that they were never in a relationship, then so be it. Like that right there will make me look. I will punch you in the face. Now you can say we was together, and you didn't like my sex, or you was I was boring, or somebody else was prettier, had a bigger booty, and you wanted it. Okay, I don't like it, but okay. But what you not gonna do, what you not gonna do is say we were never together. That's what you're not gonna do. I I will literally well, kick you in your groin. <laughs> you remember not? Best friends, but they wasn't in a, he said they weren't in a relationship. I'm that not going to lie. That confused the mess out of me. No, that would make me mad. That would make me mad. Because let me tell you, let me tell you something. If I sit there and watch a, 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 a like 12 hours of your favorite show because you want to binge watch and 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 I'm and I'm deciding to use my good time to be with you. To spend time with you, we in a relationship, my nigga. If I gotta, if I gotta adjust my schedule to spend time with you, and and on a daily, but on it ain't gotta be consistent. On like a di- daily basis, nah. we in a relationship, <laughs> bro. If I share my food with you, if I eat off your food, eat off mine. What you said? If you drink out of my Wait, drink, hold on, bitch, hold on, we hold on, hold on, before Period. before we get. You know, we got we got backtrack that because ladies love yeah, and reaching, out, to reaching out to like. a dude's play. <laughs> My no, point no. exactly. Thank thank you, Bunny. No, 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 no. No, you're not hearing what I'm No. I'm not talking about oh give me a fry. I'm talking about I went and bought groceries for myself. Okay, out of my pocket because I don't get food stamps, <laughs> and I ain't judging nobody that get food stamps. I'm saying I don't get it. They won't get it. I tried twice. Okay, so out of my bank account, my dick, my nigga. Like I work for that money. And I don't forget the bag groceries. tax. I can barely don't forget that dumbass bag tax okay? you pay for. <laughs> Period. Shout out Period. To I pay for that. I, I I don't get help from the state. Okay. Okay, so I go out of my check and I go pay for groceries and then I let your black ass come over here or Mexican or whatever you are and you come to my house and I make you a plate out of the food I bought out of my pocket. I'm sharing my food with you. I I didn't just grab a fry. I'm literally sharing my grocery with you that I had to pay for out of my pocket that the state didn't help me pay for for free. Okay. I did that. I'm sharing my groceries with you. We go together. Now, I'm not saying that I don't share my groceries with my friends, but I love them. (laughs) But you, for you to say, we don't go together, no, 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 because me and you not friends. We not friends. If I'm taking my spoon, because I hate dishes. I hate washing dishes with a passion. So I wasted dishes for you to eat at my house? We go together. how we about this? If, if, if my friends would tell you, if I let you stay at my house at, 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 after a certain amount of hours, 
after that, I ain't dropped no hint for you to go home. Because, you know, I'm quick to say, okay, y'all, I y'all got to go. If I let you stay there consistently and ain't said nothing, we go together. Matter of fact, if I'm letting you take up my man space and you ain't contributing nothing <laughs> at all, we go together. Yep. We go together. If we both go to Baskin Robbins and get ice cream, right? We got separate spoons. And I said, do you want to taste mine? And I take my spoon and oh put God, some ice God. cream on it and put See, it in your fucking mouth your and then go broken. back and eat off that same spoon. We go together. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because let a, let a man would have did that. Let a man would have did that. Please. And I feel like this. That's how, you know what? That's how I know a man. We go together. That. If a man that let me eat off his spoon or fork, we go together. We go together because who are you? You just no. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a no. minute. What? Oh, wait a minute. I got what? two examples. No. Okay, this is another way how I know we go. How you, my man? If I wash your clothes as much as I wash man like it's a mix our clothes and you and I let you use my detergent oh my and shit God. like that we go together when we discuss that we fucking go together Duh. okay <laughs> bunny how do you know when you go together girl please no, that's in a, it, in a perfect world you simple. discuss See, that's how motherfuckers get caught up and then next thing you know they baby mama number five No, I agree. No, I agree. At some point, there needs to be an actual discussion. Like, yes, we go together. But my thing is in the early days, like early, 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 right? Y'all are no longer just kicking it. How do you know when y'all on y'all way to be exclusive? I know that when we start sharing spoons and forks, like while we're eating, right? Because my thing is, you're not doing that with everybody. You're not. You're just not. We can all agree that it don't make sense. Mark, um, um, facts, facts, (laughs) facts. Help me out. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. <laughs> this, if I let you use my deodorant, we go together. Trapped by <laughs> ladies and they're using food to get you. You should not talk. You should not talk facts. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait Whatever. a minute. Okay, my I geez. got this. I, I got mean, this. Strictly uh, asked question. I say that because because uh, I'm just, I remember I'm just, I'm just trolling. I'm just trolling. I remember t- I was about to say because I was, been, I was about, about to, to say. Get off my brother. Get say, off my brother. You, 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 you was one of these niggas that, that should be listening to this podcast right now. Get off my you brother. was one of these niggas. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love my frequently asked questions, but. You was you was about you was you was one of the niggas back in the day. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, you tricked me with your food. No, I'm playing. But I got a ring out no, of it though. But, I, but I, bro, no, but I, you know, all jokes aside, you know, I, I, I see, I see both sides of what you, what you ladies are saying. Bunny, I get what you're saying when, you know, it just comes, it can be a simple conversation, a simple question. Mm-mm. 
It should always be a simple conversation, but before that conversation, well, how do you know y'all know. go together? We we go together before we had this conversation. Uh, mutual feelings were involved. How do you know? <laughs> but how do you know? Like it's something I did. Like what are the signs? Uh, some it's, it's some things you say, some things you do. <laughs> uh, sometimes. Why are you being so difficult? <laughs> I need specifics. He being so difficult. Ooh, he being. I watched the other night. I watched this video by this uh so uh social media comic, Big Jai. He's so stupid. He had a video where he was talking to his homeboy. Every time he would ask his homeboy a question, his answer was vague as hell. Like he asked him, like, "Oh man, I like your 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 jumpsuit. Where you get that from?" He like, "Oh, the West Side." <laughs> Okay, where on the west side in the mall? Okay, oh, what Lord. store in the mall? You know the store that's across from the Chinese store. What? Like, what are you about? It's like fifteen stores on that side. So frequently asked questions, facts, sir. Right, your answer is very vague as hell. Why are you I mean, being I'm vague? I'm trying guy? to be vague. I'm a. I'll break it down into further detail. I was in. Look. So, Excuse me. I'm just, not, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell example. You don't need your whole relationship. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna put. You know, I'm not gonna put out. Put everything <laughs> out there. You know, there's some things. You know, that you doesn't need to be said. But not. But um, just uh, you know, just gestures. You know, if you if you asking somebody, if you asking, you know, person you kicking it with, do they want you want to get some food and then you pay for it or, you know. You just calling them up to see what they doing and how they day is. You know, sometimes it's just simple. I'm gonna say because I've done that with a lot of my male friends. No, we're not listening to people yeah. ask questions no more because those are very basic things. I, well, no, no. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I, that, I, that I, is I that's basic. That is not okay. go together. <laughs> no, no, no. We got to stop you because you're talking about asking me how well, my day I was. was. I, you should do that anyway. If it ain't a date and you just expect me to pay uh, uh, for your, uh, uh, for your no, meal, I'm not about to do that. I've been outings with my male friends before and they paid for me. And it was platonic as fuck. Like nothing. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> me too. Broke me back too. Today. I used to some shit like yes. that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, we all have, but I'm saying like that's not. We can't really say that's a. I, that's how I know we go together situation because it's some very platonic situations where you know you text me. I got male friends that call and text me every day. How you doing, Keith? Uh, uh, mahogany. What was your day like? You know, what's going? I, you know what? I feel like going. Like, didn't I tell y'all earlier and your that my friend, friend, friend want to take me and Jackie too, out, a, and he gonna pay for everything? That was an inconvenience fee. I had to deal. Of course, I, he I had to deal without my sisters. That's not right. But that's what I'm saying. You know, people I do mean, that. It very, it you know what I mean? And it's, it's no strings attached. So, you know, I... Like I said, I'm used to... I was used to dealing with broke niggas. It I does. Mean, when they it does. Well, anyway, they like, oh, you must get... You must get some money on your link card today or something. You know, yeah. like, it ain't... It ain't... Cause it wasn't consistent. That's what I'm saying. It that wasn't consistent. Link card be coming I know. It's bad. It's bad. I be loving that. 
Go ahead, run me like fifty dollars off. Well, <laughs> girl. <laughs> Anyway, aside from you know our personal feelings about you know breaking up or being together, the conclusion, the conclusion of, the episode of this episode, was, uh, know, breakups suck. Sometimes they could be good, sometimes it could be for the bad. But I mean, Joe Button, you know, he didn't really have a, a clear conclusion because it was like it was like it, he was trying to be funny at the same time, but then also too he really had nothing to say because he was going through like a a messy breakup his own self uh, through reality but he was he did mm-hmm. he did make a good point though he about you know don't don't be upset when you ask these questions and finally the your ex significant other gives you the, the the real answers you can't be mad at somebody being a real nigga at that point and of course you know he said you know Leonard need to need to <laughs> stop being a light skinned dude <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, sometimes these conversations we be we feel like we need to get closure. It there's no such thing as real closure most of the that's time. That's what I was going to say. You know, most of the time, it's just not real. Say, yeah, but um, that's, yeah, I, I very few times. I'm not going to say that there's instances where you don't get closure at all, but I feel like most times. There is no closure. You know, it's just closure, it's a done though, deal, and that's breakup. it, and that's all. You know, um, fuck you. But no, that's perfect good closure, closure would get my hey. money back. Get all my money back. Not all if, right, well, not if it's not, not if it's not lot on me. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you about something about money. Now, that's another reason how you know you go that together with somebody. Depend on the amount of money they spend on you. Now, me again, I gotta ask. You know, on and off about ten years. He might listen to this podcast, but I don't give a shit. So he got he had got a a, a Sean John jacket out of me at the time. Yeah. Sean John was Sean John was a big thing. He got a, a second generation iPod Touch out of me and a bracelet for Macy's. That right there, that's a lot of money. So you know that I was really invested in this dude, and then we broke up. So. But you know, but we got to be careful because some people receive love and gifts, and so for them, you know, just receiving gifts is just just how they are friendly, or you know, that's it. Like for some people, invest. Now I'm that type of person too. If I invest in you, we go together. But for some people, they just are users, and they gonna get yes. what they gonna take what they can get, and that don't necessarily mean they go. You know, we go together for them. You know, you definitely got to be careful with something like that. But all of that is just emotional trauma. We back to that thing because that's the theme of this full episode. We back to emotional trauma. That was emotional trauma in in relationships, relationships that are ending. Period. Right. <laughs> um, I think uh, uh, the reason why we have issues, and I can't even say that other ethnicities don't have these problems, but we're just discussing black people because we for the culture, we are the culture, we fubu in here, okay? So, uh, 
just emotional trauma, not knowing how to cope or not knowing how to communicate, um, breaking up. Uh, there were so many families broken up during that slavery time, you know, just not knowing how to, you know, communicate or talk or, you know, even break up properly, right? I mean, we talked about ghosting for a hot second, you know, it's just so much emotional trauma. And I want to slide into the next podcast because not only does this emotional trauma affect our relationships, it also affects our, our family ships, right? Our relationships we have with our family members and even just our children, right? We pass on this emotional trauma to our children, how we raise them, how to, how, how our children receive the way we raise them. It's just a lot of emotional trauma. And so um, Fax wants to discuss the podcast. This, this, it's called The Guys Podcast, correct? Uh, the Guys Podcast, they, t- they had an episode based on, you know, childhood to adulthood and you know, tell us a little bit about the podcast facts. And, well, and, and I got to say, first of all, shout out to the what, guys. What's the podcast, emotional trauma they, here? Good, uh, great bunch of guys and uh, ladies. Shout out to Shay. She's the one who did our uh, engagement pictures. But um, this episode was particularly talking about how, you know, certain things in your life, you know, mold you from childhood to adulthood. So since we're talking about trauma, you know, there's a lot of things that are you know, in your life that happen that can be traumatic and they affect you, you know, for the better, for the worse, or for the neutral. Um, you know, some it you know, it's a it's a lot of things, you know, milestones in our life that, you know, we hit that, you know, some things we finally look back on, uh some things, you know, we rather wish didn't happen and some things, you know, we just learn from. Um it's you know it's amazing how the family structure really molds you more than any outside force you know more than what society society does i mean you whether you're raised by your parents your grandparents uncle auntie whoever they have the biggest effect on you especially when you're young like for me personally you know i have a cousin who is about four or five years older than me, and everything that he did, I wanted to do. Uh, he had a video, certain video game. I wanted to get that certain video game. He played a certain sport. I wanted to play a certain sport. So, you know, your family structure definitely plays a huge role in your development from a childhood to an adult. And, uh, you know, the next the next, I guess, group that uh, affects you uh, outside of your family is your friends and, you know, that social construct of, you know, going to school and being part of teams and, you know, part of clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, opening yourselves up to, to those things, you know, puts you in certain situations where, you know, it molds you to the person that you become, you know, growing up, you learn you know, certain things about yourself that you didn't know and certain things that you, you know, really like about yourself, you know, and when you, when you're growing up, you find the stuff that for some strange reason as humans that tend to affect us more are the, are the negative things. Like for me personally, one of the things that I don't like, you know, there's a pet peeve of mine is when somebody yeah. purposely goes out of their way to embarrass me in public. Uh, that's one thing that's probably one of the few buttons that you can push that when I get you you behind closed doors I'm cursing you out and calling you every name in the book and not thinking twice about it 
But, you know, there's some also things, you know, positive things that, you know, I really like about myself that, you know, that I've grown from. Like, everybody, you know, who knows me knows that a few years ago I was diagnosed with leukemia. And I really, you know, up until that point, I thought I was, I wasn't as resilient as I you know, thought I was. I come to find out now, years later, that you know I am very resilient. That I am, you know, you know this person who has the testimony and has, a, I guess, a talent for being able to motivate people, especially when you know I've been through whatever they've gone, whatever they're going through, and I can say, hey, I've been there. You know, this is what's going to happen. You know, see, I didn't have anyone who could tell me this, but now that I can, you know, I've been through it. I can tell you what to do and what not to do to help it make it easier for you. And I believe that everyone, you know, in some form of fashion has, you know, has a way to do that just because of the way that they were raised. So aside from, you know, your personal experience, what points did they kind of give in what was the main idea of this? particular episode of this podcast what what were the points did they give any tips did they have um a panel on there discussing this you know what what was going on in this episode that made you choose it to bring to our podcast today what was the the the, the part of the about of the topic of childhood to adulthood that made you say hey i want to bring this to the podcast today i want to discuss it what were the points that they gave uh, first off, it was relatable. Start there. Uh, points that they gave off is that, you know, like I said, there's certain things in your life, certain times that, you know, make you, break you, mold you in a certain way that, you know, you have your own specific view of yourself and you have your own specific view of uh, your surroundings and everything that, you know, it entails. You know, how you how you approach certain situations, you know, basically uh, breaks down how you think about stuff as well. And I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty awesome, considering that you know I consider That's myself cool. a so intellectual like, um, person. In that episode, like, did they talk about like um, them personally? Like, did they give an example of that? Uh, it was a, it was actually a mixture of both. It was a mixture of both, and I say that they definitely had, you know, the the topic and the conversation was great. They broke down, you know, you know, one or two instances for themselves, and you know, it was definitely, like I said, relatable. Okay. So, for let's give a couple examples of. Um, us and and how our lives were affected by something in our childhood um and we kind of took it with us in our adulthood for the better or the worse i mean if you can you know give an example of something that affected you in your childhood for the worse you know in your adulthood and something that affected you in your uh, life to adulthood in the best way right give us two examples one for the worse one for the best, something that occurred in your childhood and kind of affected your okay. adulthood. Bunny, why don't we start um, with you? Okay, so a negative would be um, just kind of like learning to 
express myself. Like, uh, learning to can y'all hear me? Learning to who? Okay. Yeah, learning to express yeah, yeah. myself. Um, when people don't see my point of view, um, in a sense, like growing up, like I was kind of like the eyeball, but like the eyeball, like with a lot of expression. You know, like I was very emotional, but I showed it in like 18 different ways. You know, like I was like the theater kid to sum it all up. If you think about a theater kid, like they're just theatrical, you know, and all types of stuff. And then and my family, like even though, um, you know, they're kind of like outspoken in their own way. But like a lot of times I found myself not being understood so I kind of um muted myself you know just to fit in if you will you know sometimes because I felt that I was doing too much quote-unquote so that followed me into my adulthood you know now where I used to because I'm kind of breaking out of that you know um finally realizing it and acknowledging what has happened back then and trying to you know undo a lot of things but I found myself in the background a lot, you know, trying not to shine too much or be too much or do too much, you know, and um, I learned that, you know, I should be myself, however that is, all the time, you know, I shouldn't have to calm myself down, mute myself or like, you know, push myself in the background because other people may not understand me, you know, and it's not for other people to understand as long as I have an understanding mm-hmm. of who I am. That's all that matters. So that's one. That's the negative. Right. Um, a positive, though, um, and like, let's just add on to that. You know, um, <clears throat> I learned to persevere under those circumstances, you know, like to not let it um, hone me down too far where I kind of lose all identity of self um, because I still hold on to who I am. You know, like I just may not express it all at once, you know, around certain people. I'm very cautious about that. But at the same time, it's just like um, I was able um, in a situation where, you know, I find myself in an environment where uh, like maybe the whole room doesn't understand me. You know, like that doesn't stop me from being who I am per se. Um, It's just like I can I can get over that, you know, like that doesn't stop my show. I'm still going to get from point A to point Z, if I need to be, so. Does that Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What about you, Faye? What, what was something in your childhood um, that affected you in your adulthood for positive and for negative? And you can use one example or you can use two. Um, that's a good question. I'll say for the negative that really stuck out to me, that's really still sticks out to me in my adulthood. I used to be bullied Mm -hmm. a lot. And it would just be for anything like the sound, like the tone of my voice. Like, you know, I tell y'all the time I was used to be insecure about my voice. Like I had like. I felt like I had like a deep voice and, you know, kids used to make fun of me for that. And then, you know, my last name and then the way that I dressed and stuff like that. Cause I was a tomboy growing up. And then 
dealing with that within school and then with my mom and then <clears throat> my mom that was like totally different from me, you know, always high heels and pretty and stuff like that. And being told that I, you know, never really would have a boyfriend or a man because, you know, don't know man, want no mannish girl and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I took that into my adulthood where, you know, I wouldn't, I don't speak as much or talk as much as, <clears throat> as I used to, cause I've like be insecure of that. And then, you know, I'd be more cautious of what I wear when I go out, you know, even something simple to the, to the grocery store. Like I don't want to be considered like that, that, uh, that tomboy that I was always told was so bad, so bad. And I guess, <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm I'm just slowly trying not to die over here. Uh, but I guess also in turn, that actually t- turned out for the positive because it, uh, I'm more out. I think I'm more outspoken than I ever been in life. And also, too, I'm like really I'm like that type of person that if somebody's really like messing with someone I really love and care about, I'll step in. I I corrected, you know. So, and then also too, I stopped being really self conscious of what I wear because it's like it's at the end of the day, it's about me feeling comfortable or who I am in my own skin. And if and this means you either you either love it, like it, or hate it. Right. Amen. And you have such a beautiful voice. Okay. I know some of the best voice voices yeah. in in the world are deep. You know what I mean. You got your Anita Baker. You know you got your Tony Braxton. Your Brandies, your Tony Braxton. These are some of the deepest voices ever, and they are the most famous people ever. So deep voices are you know on a woman. They're quite interesting. You guys can do some things that people who don't have deep voices can do you know what i mean is it those are i personally love oh, deeper voices i, I, love I think they rest voices oh they also yes yes i but you know what that whole voice thing i've always hated my voice nobody's ever talked to me about it but i've always hated my, i always say <laughs> that i sound like a congested gay man like not a congested gay man say that like <laughs> I, I I know it's very specific, but that's what I always thought. So I could I completely understand. Oh my not, god! Wait, no, okay. I'm judging Don't that judge nigga. me, judge your mama. Now, no, anyway. we judging the person who told you that. I'm, no, it I'm, was me. I'm only laughing. I'm only laughing because I've never heard that before. I thought about me. You thought that about me? Oh wow. Yes, <laughs> girl, I'm done. I hate it here. I'm like that. Congested gay man. Whatever. Don't judge me. Anyway, so something that occurred to me, that happened to me when I was a kid, and I kind of took it into adulthood. Um, so they were kind of uh the under the same umbrella, but there were two separate inst- instances. One positive, one negative. Um, I think that parents don't really realize oh, how much influence they have over their kids. Oh. Um, like, yeah. you really can affect your kid in a positive 
or a negative way. Now, none of us have children yet. But I think what I like about our generation, our generation is the most hated generation of all time, right? Uh, we're like the smartest and the dumbest at the exact same time. Uh, we have the most opportunity, but we're like a slave of all of our opportunities, right? Uh, we have no patience. We want everything so quickly. We don't want to work hard for it, but we want to get paid a lot. Like everybody hates us, Okay. Um, but we are the generation that addresses things that are, have never been addressed before, right? And part of one of the things that we address that have never been addressed before is kind of like the emotional um, connection between parents and kids. Um, also kind of, uh, uh, you know, raising our kids differently, right? Not always whooping them for everything, talking to them, teaching them how to cope. You know, all these different things that parents just did not address or even know that should have been addressed when they were raising us years, years ago and then raising each other and their parents and their parents and their parents. You know, this generation, we just address different things. And one thing that we've addressed, again, like I said, is the whole emotional thing, right? This whole episode is about emotional trauma. And we've all experienced emotional trauma, but I don't think parents realize that, that sometimes they are the very first emotional trauma we experience, right? Yeah. So I remember, and daddy, I love you. I swear I do. <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to say your name, but I love you. But you were my very first emotional trauma. And not that you were the first person to hurt my feelings. That's not what I mean. You're the first person to do something to me that will last into my adulthood. Okay. So I remember my daddy made a comment about my body. First person. I was unaware of my body until my daddy pointed it out. Now, I knew I was a chunky kid. I've always been a chunky kid. Kids let you know early in your life that you're fat. <laughs> okay? They let you know early in life. All right? And, but my dad was the first person to point out something about my body that you probably shouldn't even realize until you're of age. Right? Until boys start looking at you. Right? My daddy was the first person to tell me my butt wasn't big. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was that. Now, how did he do that? He made a joke. But see, jokes mm -hmm. a lot of times have a bit of truth in them. That's why they're funny. And he made a joke about my butt. And from that moment on, I was very insecure about my butt. And that went all the way into my adulthood. Okay? I always felt like Big butt women were the ones who was going to get all the attention. And they were, in my experience. Okay? And aside from my personal experience with that, a lot of women have experienced that. Now, were, they, were their brothers or dads the first people to kind of make them aware of that? I don't know. But I know that insecurity followed them into adulthood. And a lot of these women, what did they do? They went and got a fake booty. Whether it's a booty pop or a shot or whatever. You got people out there who leaking. They, their booties are leaking right now because they didn't took breast implants and threw it in their butt. Or 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 tie, or fix a flap. Or whatever the hell. Okay? That type of stuff, when you make those jokes or you say stuff, parents, brothers, family sometimes is the very first emotional trauma you, you experience. And they don't realize it. It's just a joke. Oh, I just made a joke. But you, you made me very insecure for years. Years. 
Um, did I overcome that? Yeah, because I got to a point in my life where I was just like, you know what? Every woman can't be made the same. They just can't. It's impossible. Everybody's not a Coke bottle. Everybody's not a pear shape. Every all that other good stuff y'all be liking. Everybody ain't got the big boobies. Everybody ain't got the big hips and the big booty. But if that's what you're looking for, then go find it. Cause you ain't gonna get it over here. And some I had to eventually start telling myself, some girls got it, some girls don't. It is what it is. But you just gotta love you for you. And when you yeah. love you for you, they love you for you. I had to learn that. But that stemmed from my childhood. <laughs> that stemmed from a from a from a joke my daddy made. Okay. From that moment on, I I looked at everything that was in the magazine and I compared it to me. And everything that didn't match, I was insecure about. My daddy did that. He'll never know it unless he ever take the time to listen to this podcast. But it was him. And through my entire adulthood, when I started dating, oh, I was a timid person anyway. But I was real timid because I just knew that the dudes didn't like me and wasn't going to like me. Did that affect my dating? Probably so. Probably so. Because when I let that go, (laughs) I never had a problem again. So one thing that happened in my childhood that was positive, again, parents don't know how much influence they have. My mama, my mama used to tell me I was a cover girl. Now, as a kid, eh, I already had insecurities about my body, so I didn't believe her. I I was just like, girl, bye. You just saying that because you're my mama. You know what I mean? But eventually, that seed that she planted, once I kind of started going through my growing pains and kind of letting that insecurity go, that seed that she planted for me multiple times as a child, I started to believe. I started to believe. I started to tell myself, you are a cover girl because your mama said so. And if your mama said it, then it must be so. And I started to see myself as beautiful. But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't just a physical beautiful. I started to see myself as a mental beautiful, an emotional beautiful, a spiritual beautiful, an intelligence beautiful, you know, just all these different types of beauty. And it stemmed from just one seed. Just my mama telling me that I was beautiful. And that followed me into my adulthood. And to this day, I think of myself, girl, you a cover girl. You ain't got to care about what these, these people think about you. Right? So people, please understand that what you speak out of your mouth to your kids, to your siblings, you know, it it, it can affect them all the way up to adulthood. You, you have power in your tongue. You have power. So that's my little story, positive and negative. What about you, Facts? I know you gave us a couple um, examples, but what is something in your childhood that affects you positively and negatively all the way up into adulthood? Um, something negatively. Um, it, it's it's actually going to sound kind of funny considering you you know you ladies know me very well, but um, it actually my uh my trauma actually stems from the fact that uh, sometimes people tend to think that I'm slow. Like, what? 
I'm sorry, that's not funny. What was I thinking? Men- what? Mental. Somebody told you that? Who told you that? I, yeah, I've I've heard that repeatedly. Uh, high school, college, and it's like, you know, it 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 bothers me because it's like, okay, you give me you give me a book with directions, and I you know I'll follow follow them to a T, but. If you tell me something and I don't quite get it, and people look at me like, "Why don't you know that?" That's the part that bothers me. Interesting. Which you know, you know, growing up, I growing up, my parents always told me that there was nothing wrong with being smart. Which you know, and it that never that never bothered me. Obviously, you know, it took it's taking me far. I got a college degree. I went on a game show and won money for it, but. You know, I get. I guess when it comes to, you know, stuff that you can't get out of a book, that's when I, you know, that's when the trauma kind of kicks in and it kind of makes me feel. Mm. It makes me feel. Insecure. So they were more so talking about street mm. smarts. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to ask. Street yeah. smart. Yeah. And right. that happens, smart. and that doesn't mean that's dumb. Mm. You know, like it's just like you were focused on that part of life, which is the education part. It doesn't make you any smarter or any dumber than anybody else. It's just like that's how you learn. That's how you comprehend. So fuck that. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, you know, when I don't understand stuff, I actually have a hard Ooh. time with saying yeah, I'm too. confused or I don't understand. Well, I mean, the book smart versus street smart, that's like a tell. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's a tell all this time. You know, you got some people that are street smart, but that are not book smart. They can run a full business because <laughs> they've been running the drug game for the last 15, 20 years, but yeah. they can't they can't tell you the Pythagorean theorem. You know what I mean? Like, there are some people that are street smart but not book smart, and there are some people that are book smart but not street smart. And a lot of that sometimes comes from um, your environment, right? So if you are someone who had a really high IQ but you was raised in the hood hood, you might be a little more street smart than book smart unless you were also really into your books and you probably have a good balance of street and, and book, right? Or someone who was you know, raised in the burbs all they life. Ain't never lived in the hood. You might not be that street smart. You might be very book smart, but you don't know how to you know, watch your surroundings when you're in a certain neighborhood or how to talk a certain talk when you're talking to a certain type of person. You know what I mean? You, you, you might get jumped because you didn't know the slang in the neighborhood or that you shouldn't wear blue in this neighborhood. You know, you just, you, I mean... There's nothing to be insecure about. I mean, but I understand that's easier said than done because, you know, growing up, you get made fun of, you know, if you don't talk a certain type of way in a certain neighborhood or if you don't wear your clothes a certain type of way, you know, being from a certain, you know, or going to a certain place and, you know, you might get made fun of, but that's just life. It just, it's all about what your environment was. Some people got it, some people don't, but neither one is better than the other. It's just different. That's all. It's just different. So I get that, though. I get that. Um, I never had that problem because I was kind of the smart kid that was kind of raised in the hood. So I kind of got both. 
But um, but some of my cousins that were a little more hood than me, yeah, they made fun of me. I remember I was in school upset. I was depressed because I got to be. And my cousins, they laughed at me. They could not believe I was upset that I had to be. But see, I, I was all about excellence back then, you know, with the grades. And so, yeah, you know, I pushed it out and act a fool. And I, I was, you know, living in a drug house and all this other foolishness. But I was about my books, too. So I never really had that problem, except for when it came to my family. They, they made fun of me and me a little bit. But I get it because I've seen it multiple times. I've seen it a lot. So I get that. But I think that was a great conversation, like super, super great. Um, and I kind of want to go all the way back to Chit Chat right talking about emotional trauma we've all experienced it all three of those podcasts were amazing had amazing topics and they all kind of had you know when you told me about them they all kind of had this string of emotional trauma that we've all kind of dealt with um and i want to go all the way back to chit chat when we first brought up queen sugar and how they had emotional trauma throughout their entire family right each person in this show experience emotional trauma now they've all experienced the exact same event like life altering event but they've all taken something completely different from it because of the emotional trauma they experienced right so i just kind of want to break down each character and i want you guys to tell me if you at all can relate to either one of them right so the main hope the main premise of the show is that the father died he owned land from generations um, of his family purchasing it as sharecroppers from a slave owner, right? So one kid, the eldest, right? She has a different mom than the other two kids, okay? She's the light-skinned one. Can't think of her name to save my life right now. Uh, Charlie, right? Her name is Charlie, but they call her Charlie. And Charlie is the eldest. She's super, super smart, very business-oriented. She married a basketball player. They are super rich. They live in L.A., living a bomb life, and they have a son. Their son was raised in L.A. He don't know nothing but being rich, okay? He got the best schools. He got the best toys. He, you know, he's 15, so he drives, you know, you know, he living a good life, okay? Both of them have worked very hard for their son to live a good life. Um, Charlie is very what they consider bougie. Okay, the the girl lives a high life lifestyle, and she's proud of it. She worked very hard. She went to college. She, you know, she's a businesswoman. Okay, the middle child. Okay, her name is Nova. Nova is very spiritual. Okay, she. I don't want to use the word voodoo because voodoo has a stigma on it, right? But she's very magically inclined to things and and it's all attached to spiritualness right yeah yeah just just spiritualness right she's very spiritual okay (laughs) she has these spiritual 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 powers okay i can't even say spirit i want to say spiritual (laughs) (laughs) magical and spiritual right spiritual she's very spiritual and uh she gets it from her mom, right? Now, mind you, they were raised in Louisiana, right? Louisiana's kind of known for this type of stuff, right? So she's very spiritual and she's a free spirit, right? She falls in love with people's personalities. She's what they call a pansexual, right? She, which they don't use the word in the show, but that's who she is. She doesn't fall for gender. She's not gay. She's not bi. She's not straight. 
I guess you can call her bi because if it's a man, it's a woman, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, it, I, I think she could even date a transgender person, right? Mm-hmm. For her, it's about the personality. That's what pansexual is, right? And um, she's just free. She's just free. Now, she, she doesn't live that far from her dad, but she spends a lot of time helping black people in her community right she's a she's a award-winning journalist and she fights the police system for her black people right who are um wrongly jailed and all types of stuff she's really into social justice with black people okay then you have the youngest oh and she has no kids by the way because she just believes that her family is the black community and her siblings she doesn't feel the need to you know start a family or anything right so the youngest, he has a son. His son is maybe like all of like five or something like that. His name is Blue. The son's name is Blue. Um, his mother was a drug addict, so she was out of the picture for a second, then she kind of came back, right? But uh the son, the baby, the baby of the siblings, his name is Ralph Angel. Uh he's a beautiful chocolate brother, but he, you know, he started off kind of troubled. He was jailed for like eight years or four years or whatever it was, and he didn't have, he can't hold on to a job. So we start the, the show where he's uh, robbing a, a convenience store to feed his son and he doesn't have any money. So his auntie and his dad kind of help him out. And, you know, just, just he started off kind of rough, but he's a good man at heart. Okay. Troubled young man, good man at heart. Now, the father dies. Okay. He leaves his land. His original, um, uh, uh, will and testament in 1989 says that he leaves his land to all three of his kids. Okay, but one day the youngest Ralph Angel finds this secret little box his daddy hid, and in the box it has this letter. The letter states that he actually wanted to re- redo his original will and testament, he just never got around to it. In the letter, it said that he wants to leave the land to only Ralph Angel. This causes an eruption between the siblings. Why? Because they all experienced their dad's death at the same time, but they took it completely differently, right? So the emotional trauma that the eldest received was that she always felt kind of different because she had a different mom, Right. Um, and because she was in LA, her dad, she felt bad because her dad would call her and ask her for help, but she was too busy to give it to him. But she felt like he was punishing her for doing good for herself and kind of getting out of the hood. And he was punishing her by, by keeping her from getting this land. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The second received emotional trauma because she felt like she was being punished from not getting this land. She was being punished, one, because her daddy never, because he didn't understand her. She was a pansexual and didn't want to have kids. Her her dad, she felt her dad didn't understand her and so he didn't communicate with her. She feels like she didn't talk to him. So even on his deathbed, the eldest felt bad because she was too busy and didn't make it there in time before he died. So she felt really bad about that. The the middle one, she felt bad because she was there when he died. But by the time she tried to talk to him, he could no longer talk anymore because he was dying. So she felt like 
he left her hanging in her entire life. And he's punishing her for being a pansexual, for being a spiritual person, and, you know, kind of just having her own lane and him not understanding her. He punished her by kicking her out of the wheel for the land. The youngest feels emotional trauma because he feels like the two sisters are mad that the daddy left him land. You know, I think the daddy coddled him a lot. And so, you know, the auntie actually talked about how he was being coddled a lot by the father. Um, and he made all these mistakes in his life because he knew his daddy always had it. Right. Um, so the other sisters were kind of more independent. The sisters were kind of independent and didn't get all that help from the father. So the brother feel the baby, he's the baby. He feels emotional trauma because the sisters are punishing him for being the most coddled by the father. He feels like the father is doing a good thing by leaving him the land because he needs it the most because he has nothing. The sisters have things doesn't he has no achievements in life he has no property he has nothing and so he felt like the daddy was you know it was, it was nothing wrong with what the daddy did by leaving all the land to him because he was the one who was doing all the work anyway the elders was too busy the middle one was too busy fighting for other people and he was there with the dad you know when he wasn't in jail and he was tending to the land with the dad so there's this entire family of emotional trauma. They've all experienced this death together, but they experienced it completely differently on the inside. Can you guys relate to any of this emotional trauma? And if you can, tell us about it. Just give us a little, a little bit, and and we'll, well see where we go me. from there. And we'll, you know, uh, end this episode. Y'all know I, I resonate 100% with Nova. <laughs> One hundred percent. I knew you would say that. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing growing up, and I and I actually just said that when we were talking about you know past traumas, like a family not you know really understanding you you know what I'm saying, and that shit mm-hmm. is real. Like sometimes they don't know not how to take you. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that children have their own personalities when they come into this world, you know, and yeah. Absolutely. What about you, Faye? Funny that you mentioned this because I just had a conversation with my aunt about my two siblings. But um, I say I relate to the son. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. We'll have to talk about that one day. What about you, uh, Facts? Do you resonate with either one of these characters? Um, To a degree, I... Uh... <clears throat> I I sympathize with the oldest, just be, yeah, just with, with the oldest because to an mm-hmm. extent I you know I walked in her shoes. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I I I've walked in her shoes a little bit, um, being kind of the one who kind of left home, you know, not really getting any help. Now I'm not as successful as sis, you know. She she doing her thing. But um, I do kind of resonate with being the one who kind of uh, kind of left home um, and I'm like cat scratching my way through life, trying to figure it out on my own, make things happen um, with poverty on my back and the black tax. We can discuss that another day. The black tax um, kind of having the black tax and, you know, just just really trying to make it. But I'm out here by myself. And so I experience things the way that Charlie experienced them, like. 
Um, it, that's really interesting that we all, these characters are so different, but we all can even resonate with them just a little bit. That just shows you that emotional trauma in our community is real um, and that, you know, we all can have the same thing happen to us and experience it a completely different way, you know. And I wonder, you know, the fans out there listening, what emotional trauma have you experienced? Can you relate to any one of these characters on this show? Have you seen it? What do you think about it? Um, what do you think about one of these podcasts? Have you seen one of these podcasts? Do you like one of the topics? Do you think we should discuss one of the topics from these podcasts? If so, leave us a comma. I mean, comment, comma. <laughs> leave us a comment, follow us, and let us know what you, know, what you think and how you feel about emotional trauma in our community. Thank you for spending time with us and uh, help us grow and get better every week. Until next time, next week, stay kingly, stay queenly, straighten each other's crowns. Um, I am Mota the D to the mahogany locks, and you have your spiritual ratchet, <laughs> your favorite bunny, 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 John. You got your favorite, favorite, the favorite, Miss Google, Music Google herself, and our favorite brother, the only brother on the line, Mr. Facts, frequently asked questions. He's Mr. Yeah. Google, and yeah. we are gang, the gang. club gang, gang. <laughs> gang. <laughs> so have a great weekend bye